0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So
1: thanks, thanks for doing this one more again. No more, no, no. <laughs>
0: as,
1: as, as we say. <laughs> and... Talk TalkShoe says that it is live streaming audio and video.
2: Awesome.
1: I'm checking. It says uh, if I I can stop the recording.
2: Okay. I
1: did automatic record this time. Perfect. So hopefully I have to yeah. say in full disclosure to anyone that tunes in, I am so thankful for Avibola because this is our third run on TalkShoe. Shoe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. I, I don't know what was going What I
1: don't know. I don't know what's been going on, but, uh, you know, it used to be where it would say, you know, oh, recording has started, so I'm no longer getting that in the ear anymore. But I did check. It says I can only stop recording. So we are just going to go with the flow yeah. and um. I just want to thank you so much. Welcome to the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. This is your host. I am your host, Kamari T. Richmond, and we are talking to Abimbola Saka, and she is the founder and director of DOS uh, Innovative Hub. She's also a postdoc fellow, a doctor, an author, and we are here to talk about once again... (laughs) health, research, uh, pediatrics, because that is where she is going, and health equity. And so I've just had such good conversations with you the last couple times we've talked um, just about the work that you are doing. And, and so I'm just going to go back to the very beginning of, you know, having as a child, Was Dr. Saka on the list?
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, you know, I always looked up to my mentors and of course the culture um, of the environment that I was raised in sort of enabled people to sort of be very career motivated um, as much as possible. And given the, you know, environment that I was raised in as well, professional degree was something that was encouraged. So I always inspired to become a doctor at some point in my life. So yeah, I would say, I would say so.
1: And that's, it's interesting because I know that you said people when you were younger called you
2: doctor. Yes, just family, close families. Yes, they used to just, you know, use it to tease me. Um, Probably because of my personality. I'm not sure, but yeah and the thing is, is you
1: still, you still look so young. And so, and it's always wonderful, you know, to have, um, younger doctors because you are, you know, you're into the tech, you know, what's going on. And a shout out to all doctors, because I have a whole healthcare team, uh, that I love. They've been, you know, helping me through this process since, uh, 2004, but I know, um, you know, growing up during a time of technology has really made a difference, I think.
2: Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. I'm still, I'm I, I, I very curious about, you know, technology in general. So, um, yeah, it, it makes things, it brings things into perspective in different ways. But also, in as much as you know, it's also like, for example, artificial intelligence, right? Um, in as much as that has possibly created some solutions to some some issues within healthcare, in relation to access um, for family patients and family healthcare providers, like family practitioners. Um, there are also some challenges, right, and some um, concerns around data privacy. Um, um, how to mitigate potential racial bias with artificial intelligence so that it doesn't actually harm patients, particularly people that are already marginalized. So, yeah, technology is amazing, particularly in healthcare, and it's good business as well for those that are into <laughs> uh, medical technology industry or in in that field. But um, it also has a lot of um, there are a lot of concerns around it.
1: You know, and I didn't ask you about that before. And that is such a great um, that's such a great question about AI and your health care. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Because now, you know, with the, the strike, with the actors and uh, b- because of using the AI technology, I mean, I didn't think about that using that same kind of um data or research or analysis or however you want to call it with your health?
2: Oh yeah. Like, uh, so yeah. there right now, I would, I, I, I know there are healthcare organizations are putting um, measures into place um, to sort of potentially protect patient data. Right. Um, and also encourage physicians and healthcare providers to stay away from, you know, chat box and all of those when it comes to like um, um, caring for patients um, I don't know so much about the concerns yet but I know there's been conversations around um, how sort of how a high will get integrated into healthcare system which in some places is probably already integrated uh, but how does that um, play a role in you know, um, some biases that are already, you know, significant within the healthcare space when it comes to certain population, right? Um, how, how would artificial intelligence or all these chat boxes interpret data that would not actually harm patients of specific population as well? So, um, but I know that patient data, I think in the US is protected by um, EPA Right, and I think in Canada it's PEPA. So anything that doesn't meet those criteria technically would not be used within the healthcare space. That's just my two cents. But
1: okay, but that's very interesting because um, you know, looking online or on on social media, I know there's someone that you know people are you're seeing this AI everywhere, and you know it it used to be that things. seem like they were so far in the future and they they really aren't. It's all, it's all happening now. (laughs) And so, and the other thing I wanted to do uh, is just to give a shout out to uh, Barbara Mowat and the Grow Your Biz. Uh, ladies, because we are both part of Grow Your Biz. I'm a member at large, and you are live streaming in from Canada. And so let's do our plug for for Grow Your Biz and that wonderful organization and its wonderful founder, Barbara Mowat. Talk a little bit about your intro into Grow Your Biz.
2: Yes. So I'm a physician first. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, my goal is to get into pediatrics practice. And after that, after being a physician, first, I i love research. So I did a program in translational research and I got really um interested in working in clinical research. And then while working in that space and working on multiple projects, I got very interested in starting my own consulting thing, which is the DAS Innovative Orb, which is the trade name for. Um, I've been Hemde Professional Inc. So I, I was just, you know, doing some of my environmental scan and see what was see, looking for things out there that could support, you know, the, the business growth and also provide some networking opportunities. And I, I, I saw Grow Your Bees and I met, um, I think I was introduced actually to Grow Your Bees through one of the entrepreneurship, of, um, U of T entrepreneurship, of, which is um, the hub at um, Scarborough. So, um, my advisor, um, or my mentor from that, was the one that actually introduced me to Vania and Vania happened to have mentored her as well. When she finished from U of T and she started a startup business as well. So, yeah, I got to know your, um, grew your beast through, through Vania. And, um, Barbara was very open minded and very welcoming. And they actually gave me a discount on my membership because I didn't get approved for the um, grants that I applied to. And um, it's been a great experience. I'm part of Bania's advisory board in um, Markham. And my first meeting with them was great. I learned a lot from other advisory members. Some were also even sort of involved in within the space that I'm in. And yeah, it's been a great experience so far long
1: oh, story short great great yeah. yes and, and Vanya has been she has been on the podcast as well and we'll go back to your business i'm going to just transition back to healthcare, care but i didn't want to forget forget that point because so much of what you do is um you're you're passionate about you know patient-centered care and health equity and i know i've shared with you in the u.s we have some challenges with health equity on so many levels, Um, especially, you know, for black women that are giving birth, uh, the rates, that mortality rate is just unbelievable. But when um, we're looking at, you're looking at patient-centered care, but you're looking at the health gaps, you know, how do we make a transition into um, making it equal, so that we have that diversity, equity, and inclusion? You know, those are that's the the buzz word for trying to make everything on, really on the planet. But how do we do that in healthcare?
2: It's a great question, and I'm also still learning as well. And you know. Um, For EDI, equity, diversity and inclusion um, and patient-centered care, some people in other industry might say, um, user-centeredness, a stakeholder-oriented approach, depending on, you know, whatever they are trying to to support. Um, Within the healthcare space, um, unfortunately, yes, there are certain people that, you know, people like us, right? Um, Will sometimes um, suffer as a result of structural um, barriers within the healthcare space, right? And that could also impact our our health outcomes as well. And that's one of the reasons why I integrated this inclusive approach into my framework. Um, And I think most organizations actually are already doing the work, right? They are are trying to address gaps. but the question is are, you, is are you actually engaging with the right community if you are is you approach the correct approach? Um, are there um, you know um, perspectives integrated into into the solutions that have been co-created or you know implemented within the organization because I have heard people say um, within the healthcare system say um, we're struggling, with you know capturing the experiences of a particular population, right? but they are also serving those population as well, right that the health system, the organization is also serving those particular population which could be the racialized or underrepresented groups within within healthcare or in medicine, those people are also being served. but the problem is, when they try to gather their experiences or their perspectives the turnout rate is low the engagement within the organization is low so that means of course they know there is a barrier they, they know there is a problem but the question is how are they approaching those problems right and so um, that there's so many frameworks now for example there is something called the air framework which was designed by a couple of people um, here in in canada to sort of support researchers or even help practitioners that are trying to address gaps um, in regards to how they communicate with the black community for example Mm -hmm. right so going back to your question um, i i personally think the best way to approach some of this gap probably will crop that out. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm going to start again. So, yeah, going back to your question, I think some of the ways that, you know, we can address those gaps is to ensure that we are actually first engaging with these individuals, right? The patients, the families, the population that we know are sort of not included, right? Um, Creating a framework or sort of using frameworks or adapting certain frameworks that have been shown to work into the strategies that, that have been employed um, to, to engage with this community um, and ensuring that you, we're not just engaging them for information, right? People need to know that whatever information they provide or whatever perspectives they provide would be used to actually improve those gaps, right, or address those gaps. And some organizations that I worked with um, actually already do some, you know, do some of this work. They, they try as much as possible to engage with, with the patients, the, the groups um, that may be of interest, and they ensure that they're part of the patient advisory groups, and they're, you know, part of the working groups for the projects and. They are sort of co-creating with them, pilot testing with them, integrating the approach into into the solution. So I think, yeah, for me, I think that's the the best way. But I'm still open to learn. But I think that's the best way, and that's that's what I believe in. So yeah.
1: Okay, that's interesting. And what do you think are the the major gaps in the industry? Like,
2: uh, the. It, it, it would differ depending on the organization, depending on the patient population, right? Depending on the community that that institution is located in. So gaps can be based on the organizational structure itself and the culture of the organization and the policies. It could also be based on the external factors, right? It could be policy related. It could be the community that, you know, it could also be the patients themselves, right? So there are also things called the social determinants of health. So when we're looking at gaps, we're looking at gaps in multiple, like in different on different levels, right? So the out system gaps could be directly from the organization. Um, it could be in relation to, for example, navigation and transition for patients. So patients could be finding it difficult to transition to other community programs from a particular institution, right? Let's say, for example, they had um, a patient had a myop- like a heart attack and after treatment the healthcare organization needs to support that patient in transitioning to tertiary care or other rehabilitation care if needed for example so um sometimes there could be gap communication problems there could be navigation problems so gaps could be on you know multiple it just depends on on the organization the kind of services they're providing their patient population and also the patient experience, the journey for, of that, you know, of their patients and whoever their stakeholders are as well. So, um,
1: yeah. Okay, and that makes sense. And so what is it about um, this research that really gets you going?
2: Yeah, so I do this program at U of T called Translational Research at the Faculty of Medicine. Um, and prior to that, I always, You know, believed in patient-centered care, right? And you know, ensuring that you engage with the stakeholders. But when I did the program, I saw things differently. To be honest, Um, the the framework is a bit different. It's sort of an adapted design thinking framework. So now I'm selling my program. I think I need to get some (laughs) some tips. I'm just joking. Um, So yeah, it uses this um, adapted design thinking framework but it's very like it's not the same it's you know it's a modified um, version that has been iterated several times and basically it requires researchers even healthcare providers that are just involved in QI projects that are not really researchers by by background to ensure that they're exploring before you start anything explore the, the environment see what what the problems are first right I remember in one of the semesters, I'm um, sorry, term, there were two years, um, we were told to go to some of the hospitals and the first thing we, that we had to do was to actually identify where the gaps are. So we went into the hospital, explore the, the healthcare organization, and some of the things that we identified were issues where st- stuff like um, not having um, descriptions or directions, for patients um, that are very visible uh, upon entering into the organisation, so that's a gap on its own. So um, yeah, so that's one thing that I found really interesting about the approach, and I love the fact that um, stakeholders are involved in every part of the of the um, of the decision making process of the from the gap exploration phase up to the implementation of the solution that has been co-created. And um, I see myself more of a mixed method researcher using both quantitative and qualitative methodologies. Um, yeah, I just enjoy it.
1: Okay, and what is it about pediatrics that, I mean, Why is where does that passion come from for pediatrics?
2: Um, for me, it came from do we, actually, it started when I was in my clinical rotations. Um, when I was in my clinical rotations, I was blown away by how my attending physician and our team were managing patients. So I did my pediatrics at, um, in Columbus and my attending who is, I think, retired now was very patient and family oriented. And I also love the fact that, you know, there was a time she was telling me, oh, I used to see this patient when, you know, she was a baby and now she's about, you know, she's a, she's an adolescent and, you know, I understand everything about this child's development. So that was really something that, that mm-hmm. I sort of gravitated towards. Um, I love the fact that it's, you know, patient and family oriented. There are two people um, in pediatrics, the patient themselves, the kids, and also their families or their parents, whoever is involved in that care. And that makes it really um, comprehensive, right? It, it makes it interesting for me, basically. And and kids are amazing, right? They don't, you know, they're just, I think just being able to contribute to the development of those innocent kids is, to me, is amazing. And yeah, so I just, I think it's one of the happiest professions. Sorry, <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's, I
1: think it's fun. I just love it. I I mean, children just bring so much joy. Um, So working with them, and I know, you know, if they're, when they're sickly, you know, I know that's, that can be taxing, but um, when, but mostly they are just little bundles of joy. So I totally, totally, totally. Get that. And let's, and you know, and I'm just thinking too, and I know I've asked you this before, you know, as a postdoc fellow, a doctor, and an author, and the research and (laughs) the pediatrics, you know, as a physician and an entrepreneur,
2: how do you make it work every day? I just try my best. You know, I think if you're doing something you you really have the passion for, it becomes a first nature. That's what I think. Mm. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you might be stressed out, but because you 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 enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't feel like it like you're working. Let me put it that way. So yeah, it is work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication. <laughs> and I'm still, you know, in the process. But um, yeah, I. I just enjoy it, and I try as much as possible to, you know, just allocate time for each. And sometimes mm-hmm. it goes into my weekends, but I try to also find some time for my family and for myself as well. So, yeah. I don't know.
1: And that's the other thing. I mean, you have a family, so you are, you are really working nonstop.
2: I'm trying. I'm sure because I feel like I'm so like I have the energy now and I don't want that energy and drive to go off um, yeah. it's been there for a while so I feel like if I don't do it now I don't
1: know when I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. This is this is the best time, and so and let's talk a little bit, you know, about your company because you're the founder and director of Das Innovative Hub. And um, tell us about the name and about you know why it was important to do this 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 extra work that you love.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm still in the early stages. Um so DAS Innovative Orb or DAS Innovative Orb is basically the trade name for Abimbala MD Professional Inc. Initially I was using Abimbala MD Professional Inc., but I was like, uh, ah, it's not a good marketing strategy. So, <laughs> so I I you know I registered a trade name instead. Um it's basically a health system gap consultant business. Um it's dedicated to using evidence-based or data-driven approaches and inclusive best practices as well to work with stakeholders so policy uh, makers um, decision makers including patients themselves and their families if they are involved um, to sort of co-create solutions and we sort of collaborate with organizations the goal is to collaborate with organizations and, and healthcare teams to understand what gaps they have identified right and if they haven't if there is a need to like, to sort of explore the space for any unmet needs, um, we can work with them to also do that and sort of collaborate and co-create strategies with them, and their their stakeholders as well. What makes it unique is the fact that um, we are sort of coming from an inclusive lens. Um, you know, we're not just going to be create, co-creating solutions. We're going to be ensuring that you know each process and each step of the of the um, project basically sort of integrate inclusive best practices to ensure that you know the right people uh, are involved and the right framework has been used and you know just to ensure that the health system is improved that's the overall goal basically so
1: yeah and that's why you know I love you looking at your profile online. You know, you said, I am a solution-focused professional, passionate <laughs> 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 about about what I'm doing. And what services do you offer? And tell us about the team as well.
2: Yeah, so um, I'm the primary um, lead for the consultant business right now because we're at the early stages. But I do have a team of healthcare professionals and also. Um, research researchers who have been very supportive of sort of launching the business and and supporting the the um, services that we're going to be providing. Um, this includes um, gap analyses or gap exploration um, um, consultations um, and also um, we have inclusive, Approaches, um, inclusive research consultations as well, um, and also program design and implementation. There is also the EDI component where we provide um, training to organizations around their um, EDI best practices and, and around their own EDI framework as well. Um, if they have one, we can review that, see what's going on, see how that can be can be improved, um, and also provide some training around around that as well. So. Yeah, those are the things we're doing, and right now I believe we're about four um, healthcare practitioners or professionals who identify as Black women. So,
1: wow, um, that I'm is giving. kudos to you, yes. kudos you. To you for sure. And that's important to be able to because you can you're wearing you know both hats as doctor and entrepreneur, and so to be able to use. Um, your experience as a physician to help others, you know, just get a better, I guess, focus yeah. or a better lens on yeah. what they're doing, um, including, you know, the EDI. That is, that is fantastic. So, uh, kudos to you. And I don't want to hold you too too long, but I did want to <laughs> also, you know, talk about your book because you're an author as well. Oh yeah, you wear so many hats. <laughs> <laughs> tell, us, tell us
2: about that yes yeah, so um my book called um the beginner's guide how to take your ideas into impact it was published in 2021 if i'm correct um it was published on amazon um it's more or less a guide around how to use um user-centered approaches to address gaps basically within any space um and basically, a summary of what I've just—it's not summary—a more extensive um, version of what I've been talking about. Sort of engaging with your stakeholders, doing gap exploration, using the best approaches to to address gaps, and ensuring that you know the perspectives of your stakeholders are integrated in all the solutions that you, or strategies that you that you come up with. And I also have some worksheets and templates in the guide as well. So it is available on Amazon.
1: And all the places. Oh, okay. good, good. And I, d- I did, you know, have it listed in the, in the show notes. But I like, you know, that you are, you know, focused on um, closing some of these gaps so that, you know, patients and um, their families and other businesses can make an impact. And that's really what it's all about is. Yeah making you know an impact on the lives of everyday folks and so acknowledging those gaps and making those solutions are really important so thank you for your service thank you Thank you for your service and is there anything that you wanted to discuss that we haven't discussed no i think we we talked
2: about everything i just want to say camaria you're an amazing person and yeah that's why i had to come back again <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure just talking to you You're very humble and um, great work with your podcast and just, um, you know, everything you're doing with, with some of the experiences that you've had in the healthcare space as well. So um, kudos.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Saka. Thank you. And, you know, I am just going to say that we are recording live streaming audio and video
2: <laughs> if
1: we do not have it today
2: <laughs> oh my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> if we have it today i'm not sure our other two podcasts are still they're still processing as we
2: speak <laughs> oh my god well it's showing right now that it, it's counting the number. like it's the time is gone <laughs> And it's showing the red sign, so I am going to speak life into the, <laughs> into yes. the yeah. process, don't delay.
1: And this is this is what it is, being on the Stroke team—a Fabulous Show. So I, I want to thank you, Evambola, <laughs> for being so patient with me and for saying, yes, I will do this a third time. We have our fingers crossed because um, the, the information that you are providing is just so important. And even if those other two, if they do pop up, I'm going to post them all anyway. <laughs> because each time we talk about something a little a little different. So, you know, we've 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 added and expanded along yeah. along the way. But I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. And you know, and just kudos to you for all that you're doing. Thank you. Um, you you are wearing so many hats, but um, I just want to thank you for doing what you're doing because um, we need, you know, folks in the space filling in those gaps. That is really important because the gaps are getting so much wider. And you know, with your work, you're you know trying to trying to close it, um, you know, for the benefit of humanity. So. Thank you Dr. Saka for all that. <laughs> okay, so as soon as we are done, we are just affirming that talks you will upload and I will be able <laughs> to post and tag you in those posts. If something is a little wonky, I will reach out to you.
2: <laughs> no worries.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, for sure for sure and let folks know how they can get in contact with you and reach out to you
2: yes so um you can reach out to me either through the website um you can also use our linkedin page um, the email address is info at amdpinc.com and um yeah fantastic
1: And before we go, I am going to snap our photo. Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, Just smile, and I will, let's just lower that, and I will take a few.
2: Awesome. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) I think I have, oh, let's see, yes, I have some, I have some good ones, yes. Awesome, perfect. Finally, remember to take the photo. And I was uh, on a, my family prayer call the other night, and uh, there is a tool that you can use, I think called Snippet or something, that will do all of this for you. But I need, I need to da- re download it. So okay, great. I don't have to use my, my phone, <laughs> but that's great. So thank you, Evan Bola. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Thank you for, you've been a Fa- you've just been fabulous throughout oh, this whole this whole process. So thank you so much, and we will definitely be connecting on Grow Your Biz because there's so many there's so so much coming up with Grow Your Biz. Yeah, so I will definitely be seeing you there as well. Okay, my dear, thanks so much, and bye. have a wonderful day. Bye bye.